Our next scripture reading is Genesis chapter 18 and verses 16 to 33. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the ways the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40 I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. Two men were talking together. The first challenged the other, If you are so religious, let's hear you quote from the Lord's Prayer. I bet you a tenor that you can't. The second responded, Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. The first pulled out his wallet and fished out a tenor, muttering, I didn't think you could do it. Prayer. 
It's something that people don't always find easy. It's something that is so important. And it's more than just uttering a few words about something we might have remembered or misremembered from our school days. But it's about our relationship with God. We're beginning to look at people of prayer in our morning services, thinking about people in the Bible whose prayers really made a difference and how we can apply principles of those prayers to our own prayer lives. And this morning, we're looking at Abraham. Now, there's the obvious passage, like I said before, that springs to mind about him, of him asking God for a son, and then having to offer that son back to God as a sacrifice, only for God to step in and stop him from going through it, but providing a different sacrifice instead. So I thought we'd look at this lesser-known passage. I've got to say, it's not something I've read very often, um, if I'm honest. But this passage that we heard earlier is a real example of prayer that we can learn so much from. In this passage, God is talking to Abraham, and he tells him about his plans to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he does that because of the sin and the decay of the people in those cities. As we know, God promised Abraham two things when he called him. First, he'd be a father of many nations, and second, that he would live in the promised land. Back in chapter 13, Abraham's nephew Lot had parted ways with him and he'd chosen to live in Sodom and Gomorrah, well, in Sodom. Chapter 14 tells us how Abraham saved Lot's life one time already. Lot was taken into captive when those places were invaded and Abraham, with his trained servants, rescued Lot from the captors, but he returned to this wicked city. In the first part of Genesis 18, the passage that we were looking at this this morning, there were three strangers who visited Abraham. Some believed them to be angels of the Lord. Some believed they're God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But whoever they are, we know that uh, when God tells Abraham his plans to destroy these two cities, Abraham begins to intercede on behalf of his nephew Lot, because obviously Lot is living there. But Abraham is under no illusions. He knows what Sodom is really like. He knows how truly wicked the city is and he knows how wicked the leaders are, evidenced by the fact he refused to accept anything from the king of Sodom. He knows that when the Lord's angels observe the sins of the city, he'll be obliged by what is right and holy to destroy it. But Abraham feels an obligation to protect his family from that destruction and he knows that God always listens to us when we talk to him and Abraham was a great intercessor he was a man of faith and that meant that he trusted God completely this was the man who at 99 years old um, when God told him that he and his wife would have a son that they would call Isaac Abraham trusted that this would happen Even though it might have seemed humanly impossible to him, God said it would, and so he believed it. He also then took his son up the mountain to sacrifice him because God told him to. He didn't argue with God, but he obeyed because he was a man of faith. When it comes to prayer, having faith in God who we pray to makes all the difference, obviously, because otherwise who are we praying to in the first place? But Abraham 
was a real man of faith. He was also someone who God considered to be his friend. Isaiah 41.8 says, But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. And why is that? Why was he considered to be God's friend? Well, he had a relationship with him. Because when we have a relationship, it's easier and easier to talk to God. And we can grow in our prayer lives, and the more we get to know God, the more, the more we, we're close to him. And we can do that through prayer. But Abraham also had the right attitude. He wasn't thinking only of himself in his prayers, but he was praying for other people. The world we live in today tells us to put ourselves first, to look after number one. But life isn't like that. It's not all about us. Praying for others matters and it makes a difference. But Abraham was also a humble man. In verse 27, Abraham says, Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. We need to realise that when we approach God, we are not worthy. That said, because Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for the wrong things we've done, it means that we can once again be in relationship with him and we can approach him but we should do so with humility but the thing that Abraham did was to recognize his greatness he knew that God had the right to do, judge Sodom and Gomorrah he also knew that he had the power to choose not to if he wanted he knew that God could spare the lives of those who loved God if he wanted to when we come to God in prayer, let's remember that he is all-powerful and he is all-knowing. But he had the right approach because he was aware of God's presence. When we pray, we are in God's presence. But Abraham knew what he wanted. When he prayed, he wasn't afraid to ask for what he wanted either. He had the faith and the boldness to go to God and to ask him to spare the people um, and the faith to believe that God would answer him. When we pray, the reality is that God already knows what we're going to pray for. But we need to have faith to ask him for the things that we need. With boldness and confidence that he will listen. And that he absolutely will answer us. You've probably heard this before, but a duck walks into a feed store and asks, Got any duck feed? The clerk tells him, no, we don't have a market for it, so we don't carry it. The duck says, okay, and leaves. The next day, the duck goes into the feed store and says, have you got any duck feed? Again, the clerk says, no, and the duck leaves. The third day, the duck walks in and asks, got any duck feed? The clerk says, I've told you twice already, we don't do duck feed. We've never had duck feed, and we never will have duck feed. If you ask me again, I will nail your feet to the floor. The duck leaves. The next day, the duck walks in and says, got any nails? No says, no, says the clerk. Got any duck feed? <laughs> Persistence. Abraham was persistent. Here we have the most amazing, bold, audacious appeal from Abraham to God. Abraham boldly bargained God down from 50 to 10 righteous people that would stop him from destroying Sodom. And the Lord agrees. Throughout this bold and persistent prayer, Abraham asks for God's indulgence, repeatedly acknowledging his own humble place before him. He says, 
May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. Now that I've been so bold to speak to the Lord, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak once more. There's a fine balance of humility, knowing our place, and yet boldness, and taking the opportunity when God invites us to have that time with him. This is praying with two factors in mind. The joy of having God as our Father, but the realisation that God is awesome and holy and powerful and that we need to remember that. But why does God bargain with Abraham, I wonder? He could have just said, what I plan is just and so I'm going to do this because that's what I say. Because God is the judge of all the earth and he was totally in his right to do that. He was totally within his right to judge this wicked city. Or he could have said, Abraham, frankly, there aren't enough, there aren't even ten people in Sodom. Don't waste your breath. But he didn't. He had a conversation with Abraham to see how far Abraham's faith would take him. And was God angry with Abraham? I don't think so. You see, Abraham was the apple of his eye. He was delighted that his servant Abraham believed in him enough and understood him enough to ask this. Genesis 15, 6 says, it explains this by saying, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. The faith of Abraham was wonderful to God. Here is a man who actually trusts him enough to pray this kind of prayer and that was amazing. But notice, however, this bargaining session, that Abraham is not offering to do something in return for God's favour. He's not trying to buy God's response, you know, like we do sometimes. Um, you know, when we say, if I get this, then I'll do whatever it is. Or if you just let me get through whatever you're facing, then I'll stop doing something else. We bargain with God, don't we? But instead, Abraham doesn't do that. He's appealing again and again to God's gracious and righteous character. This is the kind of bargaining that doesn't demean God by cheapening his response into some kind of transaction, but exalts God by magnifying his righteousness, by insisting that his great righteousness requires him to spare the city, even for ten righteous people. Matthew 7, 7 to 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Abraham asked God six times to spare those people who belong to him. He could have given up after the first time but he kept on going. He held nothing back. We need to keep on going, asking God for the things that we need. But let's make sure that those things are in line with God's will and not just our own. Billy Graham said, Heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one has ever bothered to ask. Have faith in the God of the dream. Let's ask God to bring the dream to completion. God's answer is ready. It's just waiting for our personal and persistent request. Persistent praying takes faith. Abraham asked God to spare those that belonged to him. And Abraham had the faith to believe that God would answer him. Persistent praying shows us shows that we have the faith to believe that God has the answers. Now that's not saying we get everything that we persistently pray for. But that God answers our prayers whether it's the way we want him to or not. 
But notice, if you've read on, if you know the rest of this story, you might realise that actually God went on and he destroyed Sodom anyway. But God did answer Abraham's prayer. While there were not ten righteous people in Sodom, God answered the intent of Abraham's prayer to save his nephew. Lot is a righteous man, and so he and the family who came under his protection must still be saved. The angels were under strict orders from God that they were not to destroy Sodom until Lot was safe. When Lot requested permission to only flee as far as Zoar, the angel granted his permission. And in Genesis 19, 21 to 22, it says, Very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly, because I cannot do anything until you reach it. Abraham prayed, and God answered the intent of his request, even though he does not grant the actual request. In Genesis nineteen twenty nine, it says, So when God destroys the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. If we're persistent in our prayer lives, God will give us the desires of our hearts if it's in his will for our lives. Not always exactly what we ask for or exactly the way we ask for it, but he will answer us. Jesus taught us that we should always pray and never give up. Not because God is hard of hearing, not because God needs to be pestered into answering our prayers, not because God doesn't want to answer us, No, Jesus taught us to pray and not give up because when we pray, our prayers carry weight. If we wait, if we persist, if we act and pray in faithfulness, God will remember. God will respond. God will act because we have prayed. The answer we see or the answer that follows well past the time we can see confirms that God hears and answers our daring, our bold, our persistent prayers. So, Abraham was a man of faith. He was humble before God and he recognised that God was almighty and all-powerful. But he was bold and he was persistent. So can one person make a difference in the world? Or dare we go further and ask, can one person affect God to change the world? If this story of Abraham teaches us anything, then it leads us to answer yes to those questions. There are lots of people in the Bible for whom that was true. One person praying in faith can affect the world and we dare say can affect God. Why? Because God remembers Abraham and God remembers your prayers too. Be bold enough to ask for the big things. Hold nothing back and trust that God will answer. Amen. Amen.